Aloha, and welcome to the podcast, Throwing Up Rainbows. Good girl, dirty secret. I invite you to get lost in story. You're welcome here with my dirty little secrets. You're welcome here exactly as you are and all your brilliant, beautiful fucked upness as you shine and as you crawl towards the light. In today's episode, we're gonna talk about what the eating disorder offers you and what it steals. Let's dive in. No one who has an eating disorder thinks it's the greatest thing ever. Well, in the beginning, maybe, because it tricks us into believing that we can have everything we want and feel every way we'd like if we just let it in, if we listen to it and follow it with blind devotion. It's a little like starting a tumultuous, unhealthy romantic affair with a slight flirtation and then swoop, you're sucked into a game you never wanted to play and find it's a cause of stress and unhappiness. But in the beginning of this torrid affair, the eating disorder seems like a brilliant idea. A solution to the multitude of life's unpleasantness. It offers control when you're spinning, something to tether and ground you. But so does a stake in the ground tied to your ankle when suddenly you realize you can't escape and then it's not so fun. Trust me. My eating disorder seemed like a brilliant idea to me at first. I thought I was quasi-borderline genius. The summer my eating disorder started, before I realized I'd been sucked in, I was junior lifeguarding at the pool. And during lunch breaks, the head lifeguard would make all of us swim laps, back and forth, back and forth, flip turn. And then we'd all get out, shower off, and sit in the sun eating sandwiches or whatever foods we'd packed or gotten. There was no problem with this until I went to school my freshman year. My high school was on mod schedule, so I had one hour breaks if I didn't have class. But the problem was that my one best friend didn't share any breaks with me, and I didn't really have any other friends. There was no way I was gonna face the social awkwardness of going to the cafeteria and sitting alone. So I ate in the locker room while reading, but mostly I read so that if some other student walked in, I was pretending to be doing something of my own accord instead of being the lonely loser in the locker room. But before eating or reading, first I'd run. Not for fun though, out of compulsion, out of this need, drive, like an itch under my skin that wouldn't stop until I appeased it. I remember the moment I realized exercise was a problem. It must have been the first or second week of my freshman year, and I was already minorly bored with sitting in the library on my breaks. It was excruciating walking through campus, past the benches and all their little cliques that I didn't belong to and wouldn't belong to. It was almost lunchtime and bells were going off in my head. During the summer, this was the time I was supposed to be doing laps, and my body tugged in antsy fashion on the inside because it was supposed to be moving. Swimming wasn't gonna happen, but I needed to move my body, so I decided to run. A few girls who were 
early training for basketball, said there was a run in the back of the valley and a stoplight where you'd turn around and head back to campus. So antsy as I was, I explored the valley. And over time, as I spiraled into isolation, my runs got longer and longer as I pushed myself deeper into the valley, looping around further before heading back to school. It was the only way I could stop the anxiety and silence the drumming of her voice in my head, plucking in furious motion like the clicking of knitting needles. People with addictions aren't stupid. We just have trouble controlling these compulsive behaviors. To the outside eye, we may seem stupid, and I can see why. I mean, what kind of smart girl limits her food till her stomach hurts, runs incessantly because the voice in her head commands her to, and sticks her head in a toilet to throw up nutrition she needs to live? It does seem pretty stupid, right? In one of my therapy sessions I had, I remember my therapist asking me what the eating disorder offers me. I think I scoffed at her, probably furrowed my brows in irritation. What do you mean? I asked and probably said something like, it doesn't offer me anything, it ruins my life, that's why I'm here talking to you. I want it to go away and I don't know how. Duh, I thought, why would she even ask me something like that? And then she made a mic drop statement. She was famous for those. I'd been reeling with my sense of smartness, of having something in my grasp, and then she'd say something exceedingly simple that left me silent on her black leather couch with my proverbial mouth hanging open. Well, it must be offering you something if you keep doing it, she said peacefully. Boom, Mike on floor. Sometimes I had to hide my smile because I secretly liked it when she called me on all my shit when she could see through me, when she was smarter than me, and handed over mind-boggling little statements, like opening her palm and revealing little gems, like, oh yeah, we mustn't forget about this little tidbit, just holding it peacefully in her hand. What does it offer me? Is she crazy? She let me sit for a bit as my brain did its frantic panic, like a manic seesaw, smashing back and forth with how I was right, but no, she was right. But how could that be? And how had I never thought of this before? Am I really that stupid after all? Focus, the question. It must offer me something, right? How could I have not seen this before? The eating disorder wasn't just this vile demon creature that forced me to abide. Well, it was. But the truth that she was getting at was that I wouldn't have followed it unless I was getting something in return. So to everyone listening, what does your eating disorder offer you? Why do you keep engaging in these compulsions? Remember, you're not stupid. There's a very valid reason, a plethora of reasons. But hold up. Before we get back to what it offers us, let's explore what it steals, the things it takes away, because often we don't know what we want until we can identify what we don't want. So here are a few of the things that the eating disorder steals. It steals connection because we keep ourselves isolated like an island and push people away. But why do we push people away? Well, because they may try to stop our disorder and take away the one thing that makes us feel in control. If people get too close, they'll be able to see what we think of ourselves, that we're dark and shameful, broken and damaged on the inside. We think that if people really knew, if they really saw us, 
they'd leave. It steals happiness, joy, success, health, and it damages relationships. It affects our sex lives, and if you're female, your femininity and sensuality. Sexuality can either be repressed or suppressed, or used as another compulsion to numb out, to feel loved, or to feel something. It steals love because you kind of hate yourself for not being better, stronger, smarter, whatever, for not being able to get healthy. It also doesn't help self-love to tell yourself awful things about yourself and your body on an almost moment-by-moment basis. So yeah, it steals quite a lot, and that's just the beginning of its theft. At worst, it will steal your life without blinking an eyelash, leaving everyone who loves you to wonder why. So, now that we know what it can steal, let's get back to the opposite. What does it offer us? What are we getting in a positive way that keeps us repeating these compulsions? This question disturbed me because up until that point, I thought there was no point of my eating disorder and that there were only bad things about it. After therapy that day, I spent a long time contemplating what I'd missed, and I came up with a lot of things that my eating disorder offered me. First. It consumed a lot of my time and mental thoughts so that I didn't have time to think about how lonely and disconnected I was and how I didn't have a lot of friends and felt completely awkward and anxious in social situations. So instead, I had my best friend, Lily, my eating disorder, whenever I wanted her or she wanted me. Even though she was abusive, I had someone at all times and obviously that meant something to me then. It meant that at least I wasn't alone. It offered me a way to stay metaphorically blindfolded as I walked across campus with the weight of not fitting in anywhere, of having no bench, no group, no place. But I had a place with my eating disorder. I had a purpose when I was running or taking things out of my sandwich or sitting alone in the locker room or library. I was proving that I didn't need anyone. I was on a greater mission to be skinny and somehow that made me feel better about myself and not fitting in. At that time, at least for a while, it allowed me to feel like I was special. It offered me a sense of penance so that I could make up for what a piece of shit I was. If I just did what Lily told me to do, then I was good, but only temporarily, because with an eating disorder, nothing is ever secure. I was either depressed or having massive anxiety all the time. I felt slightly crazy. I wanted it to stop, but I was terrified of getting fat, so I couldn't let Lily go. I was in too deep, and I realized I was fucked because I had this terrible little secret that I constantly had to pay for by running, by feeding it, by throwing up, by doing anything it said. All this so that I could hope to be good again. I remember the day I pierced the heart of what it offered me. I was walking down the long hill from where I parked my car to work one morning and thinking about this when I stopped completely on the sidewalk as the realization coursed through me. I remember looking at my feet, the way the sidewalk cracked and a green weed poked through. The sky overhead was blue with white puffy clouds and the wind ran through the trees with a rustling whisper. But the words I heard in my head were so peaceful, clear and loud. They said, it allows you to silence the voice in your head that says, you are, you are worthless. worthless, you are worthless, you are worthless. I remember being sad for myself in that moment. Like, 
How could I deep down think this about anyone, including myself? But I did. It was true. And at its heart, that's what the eating disorder offered me. A way to silence that horrible thought. Whether we have an eating disorder or not, we all have a nemesis voice that tells us we're not enough or we're not special, we're nothing, or some variation of mean criticism. But if you have an eating disorder, this voice is like a heartbeat, a metronome, on constant replay like Chinese water torture. We might have invited the eating disorder in because at that time, it offered us a way to numb our deepest fears about our own inadequacy. At that time, it numbed out whatever feelings we didn't want to feel. It offers us a way to numb the pain, however large, however small. And although we might have needed something at that time when we invited it in, it eventually takes over and keeps us trapped in place like a rat in a wheel. But you know what I like about rats? They're crafty, agile, voracious, and cute, which means that they're going to eventually find their way out of the wheel or the maze, and we can too. So take an inventory of what the eating disorder has stolen from you. When I did this, I became less rageful at my disorder because I saw it as something that I needed at that time to get through life. I was doing the best I could, and I didn't realize that there were healthier options available. I wish I did, but I didn't then. But now, I know that there are many other tools that we can choose instead of reaching for the eating disorder. All this stemmed from my therapist asking one simple question. What does the eating disorder offer you? I'm Zizo Colante, and this is Throwing Up Rainbows. Stay tuned for the next episode, where you'll get to see my eating disorder through the eyes of my dad. It'll be interesting. Till then. This episode was written and produced by me, Zizo Colante, with audio production and scoring by Carlos Sepulveda. Trying to be certain way, but my head.